your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And today's episode is brought to you by the people over at Built Bar. And some good stuff to get to today. The Colorado Avalanche make a trade. The the, the idea was out there that there were going to, to trade and, and had their eye on Jonas Johansson from Buffalo. And there was some news, and maybe it was a little bit premature, but eventually the deal did get done. So we will talk about that. We will talk about JT Comfer and his return, replacing Logan O'Connor. A lot of people not happy with that, but we will discuss that. And then a special treat for everybody, our our friends over, yes, they are our friends, over at the Locked on Red Wings show, uh, got an interview with Gary Thorne, <clears throat> and a uh, great interview that I think is out today, I think they re- they're releasing it today, and they sent me the clip of when they talked about the Red Wings and Avalanche rivalry, so we'll get to that too, they sent me the clip, I'll play it. And just hearing Gary Thorne talk about it is nothing really better than that. So first things first, follow the show on social media outlets, LOPN underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked on Avalanche on Instagram, and send any questions, comments, concerns, opinions to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So the Avalanche are overall looking very good. They take both games against the wild and not only leapfrog them and then they distance themselves from them and they're playing the best hockey that they've played. Everything seems to be clicking right now. They're they're healthy. They are comfortable with each other. They, they are, uh, they just needed some time to get into a flow. And, and like we we've said before, they, it seemed like they were heading in that direction when that first four game series against Minnesota and then they had their pause for almost two full weeks. And since then it took them a little while to get going, but it seems like they're back there again. And, and there is, there's, you could say the only loop in the, the loophole in this team or Achilles heel in this team is the backup goaltending. And I'm not saying they addressed that right now and shored it up with the acquisition of uh, Johansson. And all they did was give up a sixth-round pick for him. So he he comes in, the numbers look ugly, but if you traded for Taylor Hall right now, the numbers are going to look ugly. Uh, Buffalo is just a very bad team. I mean, wh- how many in a row have they lost now? Go look at. I don't think they they have have won. I don't follow them that closely. But um, when I did the national show with Adam on Thursday, they had lost. So I don't know if they've won since then. But your numbers are going to be bad on a bad team. If your numbers were good, they wouldn't be a bad team. So the jury is still out on him. He's still 
in kind of a developmental phase, but apparently the Avalanche feel that he is developing at a rate that they are comfortable with. And he's already with the facility. He's practiced with them a couple of times. We uh, will play his, his first press conference with uh, the Colorado press just to get a feel of, you know, how he answers some of the questions. I think it was uh, Adrian Dater asked him about his time in Buffalo and how people answer stuff like that. You get a good feel of their personality, you know, leaving a bad situation. Does he completely rail on them or does he take the high road and, and he takes the high road, which is, you want that, you want that kind of uh, personality in a person. Um, what the avalanche need from him is just to be a serviceable backup. You know, I, do the, if, if he turns out to be Pavel Francois style for a backup, they've hit the jackpot. And I think Joe Sackick is relying on uh, his team, his scouting department to pull this deal off. And, and, you know, there's somewhat, I mean, they are cap strapped. They do get some liability money with, uh, Johnson and Francois being out, but they he's only costing them $700,000. He is a restricted free agent. So if he works out, this could be something where, uh, from, from what I understand, if the Kraken decide to take Pavel Francois and the abs re-sign Johansson, then they have their backup. If they feel like he's good, he's a young guy, he's 25 years old. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't see the Kraken going in that direction anyway. I think the Kraken will still be going defensive when it comes to the avalanche. But it's 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 a fine move. It's not, you know, it's not going to make waves. They had to make some sort of move. Hunter Miska was was not the guy at this point in time. Could he be in the future? That remains to be seen. But he he's he got thrown into this situation and wasn't prepared. He's and that that's fine. You go back down, you you go at a level that you're comfortable with right now, build up your game, and maybe we'll see you in the future. Jonas Johansson, I think, is just a little bit ahead of where Miska is. So yeah, they just need him to play and and give Grubauer a break every once in a while. And I think he's capable of doing that. I, I think, you know, I think he's capable of keeping the avalanche in a game because look what they're doing. They're doing what we said that they probably would do uh, when we were talking about them at the beginning of the season. They're going to score five or six goals. So if Johansson gives up three goals, I think they'll be okay with that. I think if they give up, if he gives up three goals in a game, that's not what you want, obviously. You want to you you want a smooth sailing game, but if he just so happens to give up three goals a game, I feel like the Avalanche feel like we can we can win those games, and he's not going to be out there all the time. So if you know maybe he does catch lightning in a bottle and he turns out to be a, a good backup for them, I don't know. I don't. It, this could go the complete opposite way too, where you know his numbers in in Buffalo. Uh, are not fluky and and he's you know he still needs some development they say he does they say he's still in development but he can he can develop at the nhl level where miska can't do that i don't think miska's ready for that yet so which is why they sent him back down they gave it a shot didn't work it'll be interesting to see now the other uh move that was made was bringing jt confer back 
and he took the place of Logan O'Connor. And just, you know, from going through social media feeds across the board, people were really not happy with that. I think you're going to see this back and forth, maybe with these two guys for a little while. You, you, I think they might give comfort, maybe like, uh, you know, a, a few a few games in a row to see what he does. And if it's not progressing, throw Logan O'Connor back in there. And they might go back and forth with these guys. With these guys, O'Connor, I mean, and I, I, I like JT Comfort. He's not playing the best right now, but uh, he, he's really shown me a lot when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, why that can't translate into the regular season, I don't know. But uh, for whatever reason, this season it's not it. So maybe they're just giving him like you know they're having talks with him like, hey man. This is your final go around. You got to do something here, um, or you know we we ha- clearly have somebody that can replace you. And maybe they don't even have that need to have that conversation because Comfort sees it. He sees how well O'Connor is playing, and he might be looking over his shoulder right now, knowing that if I don't start playing well, uh, this kid's going to come in and replace me. It's one of those things for I feel like you have to ride. I say ride the hot hand, and I don't mean that O'Connor's lighting the world on fire, but uh, he just seemed it when when JT Comfort came back, played that first game. Where was he? It wasn't like he was when when Logan O'Connor's out on the ice. You know where he is. He's fighting for the puck every shift he's out there. Comfort kind of disappears, and he did it again in his first game back, and that was a game the Avs dominated, and he didn't you know he didn't net a point. Um, but it just, I don't know. It, it, I think that the leash will be short for Confer. It helps that you're winning and you can give him a little bit more leeway. But I, I know Logan O'Connor is itching to get back in there. I know the fans really love the guy, including myself. I think he's, he's like, I've called him uh, Matt Calvert version two. Uh, so if Confer doesn't start doing something quickly, uh, his his minutes are, are going to be limited. And even in that first game, he only got, I think, 11 minutes, a little over 11 minutes. We'll see. That will be an interesting little side quest for the Avalanche as this season goes on. So we are going to hear from a couple sponsors, and we will come back, and we will hear from Gary Thorne on the Avalanche rivalry with the Red Wings, and we will hear from newly acquired Jonas Johansson. All right, so welcome back. And like I said, we have a uh, the first press conference from Jonas Johansson, newly acquired goalie for the Colorado Avalanche coming over from the Buffalo Sabres. And how good does that have to feel? Overnight, you go from the worst team in the league to a cup contender. Uh, that alone can make guys play better. I've said it before, like if somebody gets traded like to the New York Yankees, you know, you need to, however good you think you are, you need to play better than that. So maybe, you know, that could be some, uh, definitely a motivating factor for someone like him. So let's hear from his first press conference that he had after practice and then some comments on the other side of it. 
Hi, um, I guess nice to meet you first of all, but but what was I guess your initial reaction when you when you heard the news that you were headed to Colorado? Uh, first reaction was uh, I was really excited. Uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been an intense 24 hours for me uh, with the travel and getting everything together. But uh, the main feeling is just I'm really pumped up and really excited about about coming here and being with this. Uh, with this organization. So I'm just really excited. Lauren Jabara, Altitude Sports. Hey, nice to meet you too. Welcome to Colorado. Um, just being around the team today for the first time, what, what is what were those conversations like? And, and what did the last, you know, 24 hours look like for you? Well, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't think I've met the whole team yet, but uh, everyone has been really great and uh, uh, greeting me welcome. And uh, it's just been really great so far meeting all the guys and got a big job coming ahead to learn all the names and stuff but uh, I'm uh, I'm excited and I'm sure it will work out great and last 24 hours it's just been uh, I don't know I believe it's 24 hours now since I started packing my apartment in Buffalo and heading here but uh, we're all settled in now and uh, ready to go to work so Rick Sadowski NHL.com Yeah, welcome to Colorado, Jonas. Um, I'm wondering, when did you actually get here? And I know it's been a tough year in Buffalo for the team and for yourself. Uh, just kind of ready for a new start. Hopefully that'll change things. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, I try to see, uh, look at the future here. And uh, what's what's been happening has been happening. But uh I think there's only good things to come from this. So uh, uh, I try not to look back too much. Uh, I'm thankful for my time in Buffalo, and uh, uh, but I'm excited to start new start new things here, and I'm really excited to get to work here. Eric Dean, Mile High Sports. Hey, Jonas. I uh, was curious, heading into your uh, move to Colorado, were there any players on this team that you had known prior to uh, the trade, or is everybody you're meeting for the first time? Uh, I met uh, Adam Werner a little bit before. I played against him a lot in Sweden. And then I played uh, in the junior national team with Sweden with uh, Burakowski. But that's about it. Uh, so it's a lot of new faces, but uh, everyone's been really good so far. So I don't think there will be any problems. Adrian Dater, Colorado Hockey Now. Uh, hey, Jonas, uh, you know, I know you don't look back, but uh, is there anything about, you know, the the numbers in Buffalo that suggest, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a bad team in front of you and it's tough to be a goalie there? No, no goalies had very good numbers there. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about why you think it went bad in Buffalo? It's, it's hard to say. You know, I think it's, uh, it's a lot of different things and uh, – when it comes to a point uh, when you're in a team that's losing a lot, it's sometimes hard to break that circle. So I think it's, uh, uh, you know, as a goalie, you can really only look for, look for yourself. I try to take care of my part and give the team a chance to win. And then, uh, uh, you know, that's really the only thing I can focus on to play my game as best as I can and give the team a chance. And sometimes you get a win, sometimes you don't, but, uh, the only thing I can focus on is giving the team the chance. And that's what I've been doing, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. Peter Baugh, The Athletic. 
Yeah, I was curious, what's the process like of, of getting a new goalie mask made so quickly? I saw in the pictures, it looked like you already had the like mountains and stuff. How does that process happen so quickly? Uh, the mask I had today was actually from uh, last year, the Rochester Americans mask. So it's uh, red and blue, but it's not kind of the, si the same, the right color, but it's all right. Uh, I think there's a new, new mask in the works here. So we'll see when it arrives, but... <laughs> It's always it's a fun part about the goal is to get that kind of gear. So I'm excited about that too. Rick Sadowski, NHL.com. Hi again, Jonas. Um, did you play your first game against the Avalanche, your first NHL game? And what do you remember about that game? Yeah, I had to go in the second period uh, in Buffalo against Colorado. And, you know, that was, I'll never forget that moment, obviously. It's a big step in my career to, Get my first my first minutes. I remember Antonin scored a goal pretty quickly on me, <laughs> but after that it felt good. Uh, I felt confident in the game and felt comfortable. But it's a little funny that uh, I'm sitting here right now and my first minutes was against the Avalanche. But it's just just a fun story, I guess. So there you go. It seems like a uh, pretty humble guy. Seems like he's you know definitely excited to be on a winning team, which is going to be something different for him. He hasn't really played on a team that's this much of a cup contender. So uh, I think whatever games he does play will kind of get him prepared for hopefully a long playoff run where he might have to play a few games. So that comes into play as well. You know, what what is his mindset going to be when the Avs get to that point will remain to be seen. And I think this, you know, the remainder of this season assuming Pavel Franzos doesn't come back, will be a good litmus test for him. So kind of get his feet wet, get you know his head wrapped around uh, a winning culture. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, it takes the high road when it comes to Buffalo. It doesn't say he had to get the hell out of there or uh, it, it's it's a terrible culture. Just, so just, you know, there's some things that didn't go right. Um, and I think he, he – we'll see. We'll see. I'm not expecting miracles out of this, but like I said, if he can just hold the team's head above water uh, for the few games he'll be asked to play, I think we'll be good. And then if he turns out to be a guy who just needed to be on a better team, the Avalanche have hit another home run with an acquisition. You can't grade this this trade today. You can't. Because uh, you're giving up a sixth round pick, so clearly, you know it's not like you're giving up any any you know, high round draft picks or even prospects for that matter. So uh, this is a to be determined when it comes to a grade for a draft for the people who like to kind of jump out there and say, well, this is a failing grade or this is a passing grade. You don't know right now. You kind of have to wait and see how he plays before we do that. So. All right, uh, let's hear from a couple sponsors, and then we will get to Gary Thorne and his discussion with the boys over at Lockdown Red Wings about the Red Wings and Avalanche rivalry. But first, we're going to hear from Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. We've been talking to you about Built Bar for a while, and if you haven't ordered it yet, as many times as I've talked about it, get on that. And first of all, if you go to Built Bar. Use the promo builtbar.com, excuse me, and use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your next order. While you are there, you will no doubt at the top of their website see 
the big logo for Built Bar Madness, and they are pitching all of their flavors uh, in a bracket-style March Madness challenge. So if you have gotten Built Bar, guaranteed you have your own favorite, get your votes in and uh, have your flavor of choice come through to be the Built Bar champion. So uh, like I said, after you do that, make sure you use that promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your next order and check back to see who won today's matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. They already are in total, but which flavor individually can claim the title of best tasting protein bar? My money is on coconut brownie. Delicious. Also, March Madness, obviously it's in full swing. Go over to betonline.ag and place your bets for all of your brackets. And I'm sure a lot of us have uh, some brackets that are busted. Mine technically is not right now. I, I'm I'm pretty low in the rankings, but all of my Final Four teams are still in it. And if you still have your Final Four teams, you're not completely out of it yet. But head over to betonline.ag to place all of your bets on at NBA, college basketball, and, of course, the NHL. It's the easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Real-time updated odds and prop bets on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered. For all the news, scores, and odds, it's the best way to place your bet, and it's totally free to sign up. Head over to the website with your computer or use your mobile device, and when you sign up, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked on. It's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So Friday is March 26th, and that is always a date Avalanche and Red Wings fans, uh, I'm not going to say they circle the dates, but uh, it's a date that they all know well and good. And that, that was when the brawl broke out. And Gary Thorne was there through all of it. Not only that brawl, but all seven years of the rivalry between the Red Wings and the Avalanche. It is, I don't think you can question that it's the best rivalry in all of sports history. Um, I would would really challenge anybody to tell me another one that was as heated as that one was. So uh, they... And I say they, the guys over at Locked On Red Wings, uh, reached out to Gary Thorne and had him on the show. They talked about a number of things. Um, I, you know, I know you don't want to go into enemy territory, but definitely go over to Locked On Red Wings and check out uh, the interview because it's a, a fascinating interview with him. Just listening to Gary Gary Thorne's voice is just so therapeutic in and of itself, but. Uh, they did bring up the rivalry, and he definitely had some things to say on it. So uh, let's play that for you now. Uh, it's about five minutes long, and uh, we'll have some thoughts on the other side. Well, you bring up fighting, and one thing we obviously have to talk about is March 26, 1997, the Detroit Red Wings, the Colorado Avalanche. The Red Wings need their revenge. You uh, So when this all starts going down, you say – this had to happen and it did. And it was a different game back then. And, and maybe that's not something that would need to happen now, but back then it did. What do you remember about going to the rink that night and, and 
I guess, what was your favorite part of covering that seven year war as a whole? I mean, you had it from start to finish. Well, it was, it was fierce. I mean, it was genuinely fierce. These were two teams with players who did not like one another. They weren't friends off the ice and they sure as hell weren't friends on the ice. And there were some personal animosities towards individual players. I think of Claude Lemieux and the, how much Detroit just found him despicable. And I like Claude. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that the way he played, how he played, and especially against them, had created a tension that was going to explode. It had to. Uh, my favorite part may have been Os Osgood and Wah <laughs> skating out to center ice, fully, uh, fully dressed during the game and uh, deciding to go at it themselves. They had chatted back and forth, each of them in their own net, as, as that game had started and as it was going on. And then when the all hell broke loose, they were hollering at while they're still in their individual nets. And then just, just both skated out. And it was, I mean, they came right to center ice. I think they literally, if you look at the video, they were on the face-off dot at center. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, going at one another as best you can when you got 90 pounds of equipment on. Uh, I'll never, I'll never forget that. But over that whole thing, it was just, it was just how fierce the competition was. And the fact that you had so many great players on the ice at the same time, I mean, those teams were loaded with talent, both young and veteran. And so, I mean, when they went out there to play, you were really seeing the two best teams in the NHL going at one another. And when you combine that with the fact that they didn't like one another and that there were individual stimulants uh, in each game. I mean, you had a hell of a series. You were just waiting to see what was going to happen next. You, I don't think, I'm sure there are some fans who never sat down for any of those games in both buildings. I mean, it was just, that's the way it was. You knew it was coming and it was just a matter of what was going to trigger it. One of the fascinating things about that series is the way it ends. And that, that game seven against Colorado in the 2002 Western conference finals, that's the first time I can ever remember watching hockey live. So that that's like a huge moment for me. Have you ever seen uh, anything like that where the buildup was so tense and then in a way it's a powder keg and it explodes, but not in a way that really anybody expects in the face of this uh, I think, Colorado was a defending Stanley cup champion at the time. And, and just all the back and forth, you couldn't give an inch. And then all of a sudden Detroit gets six inches on Patrick Waugh, another inch on David Abisher. And the rivalry is pretty much done as we know it from there. Yeah, no, you can't expect that. And that's what sports is all about. I don't know how many times I've referred to that game in talking about buildups in other games and other sports. Uh, be careful. Uh, it, it, it's, it's legitimate. I mean, if ever there was a legitimate buildup to a game, that was the game. Mm -hmm. If ever there was a game that defied every conceivable odd in the way it came down, that was the game. It's one of those moments in sports. You're not going to go back and look at it because it wasn't a three to two double overtime or a shootout win. So you're not going to go back and look at the game very often. But if you think about what it was and you think about what happened in that game, it's just phenomenal. I yeah. mean, can you imagine in this day of betting how much money would have been lost <laughs> or how much was lost in betting on that game, what the score was going to be in over under and anything else that goes with it. I mean, you couldn't possibly have predicted that. And you're absolutely right. There was a balloon at the start of that game that was so full of air, one more puff and it explodes. 
by the time we got into the third period of that game, the balloon no longer had air in it. It was gone. <laughs> and even the animosity between the two teams was gone. There was no, there was nothing left to fight for. Yeah. It just lets, you know, we're going to throw the puck around and skate up and down and hope the clock goes running time. Cause it was over. I mean, it was <laughs> so over that the guys, both sides just wanted to get out of there. So there you go. And, and to hear him retell it kind of just really makes me miss it. I, uh, I, I was a teenager, mid teens when that all started. So I remember it well, um, and you, you just miss. I mean, it, it was a different era. Like uh, Nolan said in the beginning of it, it was a different era, and we we probably won't get any rivalry like that uh, again. I know there's some rivalries, you know, in Canada that uh, kind of have their moments, but none of them, none of them will ever live up to. The Avalanche and Red Wings, and and, and I said this when when uh, I did a crossover with the guys over at the Red Wings. I said it on that episode. What was so good about it was it was it was even like it wasn't one sided. It wasn't just the Avalanche were winning all the games. It wasn't all the Red Wings were, that the Red Wings were winning all the games. The, you, you genuinely didn't know who was going to win because they were both so good, and they both came out on top on games, and they both won Stanley Cups. Uh, it, it was just, it was a great, great time. And then like Gary says in the clip, it just went away. Uh, it was just, it had gone on long enough and it went on for almost too long. And it pretty much started with the avalanche acquisition of Claude Lemieux and pretty much ended when they got rid of him. He, he was kind of the, the epicenter of all of this. Uh, and then it spilled over into so many different avenues. Uh, but it, it just it ran its course. It was never going to be something that would go on in infamy. Even you know, uh, like like maybe college is different. I say like Michigan, Ohio State. College is different. But in the pros, you, you hear you know Giants and Cowboys, and Yankees and Red Sox, and those are still rivalries, but more for the fans. Uh, and it's not so much for the players. This was as much for the players as it was the fans, maybe even more so. And you don't get that in rivalries. So it was a, a fantastic, fantastic time. And uh, we'll never see it again. So, and, and it's great to hear him retell it because he was there for all of it. So that will be it for today, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, another week of Avalanche Hockey. Hopefully this one is as good as last week it's a back-to-back to start the week against arizona so uh will we get johansson in for one of those games we shall see i don't know if he has to do the quarantine thing i haven't really he's practicing with them he's coming from the u.s so i i haven't seen anything that says he has to do that so uh but i know adam werner is up there as well so maybe he gets a second game and they get Johansson acclimated so we'll find out all right everybody that's going to be it we will see everyone tomorrow thank you for tuning in it's greatly appreciated stay safe here's Joby go abs go